to the Cult of Domesticity podcast, a podcast about history, true crime, and whatever life brings us. I'm Courtney, and every week I am joined by another fascinating person. Let's see what we're going to talk about this week. Welcome back, devotees. This week, we have a very special guest from across the ocean. Oh! Mina from True Crime Finland. Hello! We're dancing buddies. In case anyone was at the Chicago True Crime Festival, you would have seen our awesome dance moves. Yeah, you would have. It was great. <laughs> there was no music, but we had music in our hearts. <laughs> and if you didn't see it, you missed you missed something really great. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, so we finally I finally have conned you into coming onto the show. <laughs> and here I am. Do you want to talk a little bit about your show before we get started? Okay. Um well, my show is about Finnish true crime, Finnish crimes, Finnish criminals, but it's in English. So um, I do my research in Finnish, but then my episodes are in English. Basically all kinds of Finnish cases, like some very well-known cases and then some lesser-known cases. So yeah. And we bonded because I am a quarter Finnish, and so I've never heard a lot of Finnish true crime, and I was like, what is this? And I dove in head first. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. Like a lot of people never heard about Finnish cases except like the Bodum Lake murders or something but like other than that yeah it might be I shockingly because I'm a quarter Finnish I don't actually know that much about Finland because my grandfather never talked about it but I'll I, I've learned so much more from your podcast even though it's crime wise but it's just fascinating to just hear the differences and, and now I want to go to Finland I my family has talked about it for a while like going to vi- back to visit because I think we still have relatives over there I believe so. Mm. I'm going to go first this time. And it's actually another Ohio serial killer. I think it's just how my list has ended up that a bunch of Ohio serial killers have ended up together in this list. <laughs> so there's a lot? Yeah, for some reason, people in Ohio get a little, a little angry. I see. <laughs> I don't get it. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a... I mean, one of our most... I'm going to go quote-unquote famous serial killers because he never killed anyone. Is Charles Manson is from Cincinnati. So you never know. We I think it's the weather. It drives us all a little batty. It was 94 the other day. It's September. It's the end of September. That's too hot. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty hot. Yeah. That's pretty damn hot for Finn at least. <laughs> I'm going to tell you all about Thomas Lee Dillon. Nope, never heard of him. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> this, the majority of this is from, um, there's a really good article. It's called The Hunter of Humans, The True Story of Thomas Lee Dillon by David Lohr. And I really liked how he wrote it. So I, I uh, grabbed some stuff from him and filled it in other places. So this is mostly in southern Ohio. You know, it's pretty rural, p- pretty flat, major cities, not a lot. In the eastern portion of the state, western portion of the state is pretty much Dayton and Cincinnati and everything in between but it's a lot of farms um so and people really love you know they're hunting they're fishing big Mm. popular things and this all begins to change uh this all starts in the spring of 1989 so we're going back to the 80s and the 90s okay so november 10th 1990 jamie paxton who's 21 years old he's a steel worker he's getting up to go hunting it's the beginning of the annual bow hunting season so there's multiple. I don't know. Bow hunting? Is it like um, 
the thing where you have like a bow and then you mm-hmm. you have the yeah like a spear no. type of thing and then you no like a bow and arrow like normally um, you're like a bow and arrow yeah yeah I think most people use yeah spear no that's not <laughs> arrow um most people use like compact bows and we have anyone who's been in the Midwest you know white-tailed deer there's so many of them. And if you hit one, uh-huh. you're you're, yeah. you're pretty much getting a new car. <laughs> really? They're very large. I think they're the largest okay. of the deer in the U.S. I've seen pretty much all the kinds of deer that the U.S. has last year. There's okay. black tail, mule deer, and white tail deer. So there's a lot of deer. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, so he was not going to miss out his chance to get a deer. Most people, from what the people I know who go deer hunting, mm-hmm. you you're good if you get one deer sometimes you can bag a second one but i mean the amount of meat you get one deer depending on the size of your family is good and can feed you for almost half a year to a year depending on how much you eat tasty uh so he lived in bannock county ohio i do not know where that is i'm not gonna lie is it like on the countryside or it's it's in the country it's smaller it's not one of the areas that i know and i've been over god most of ohio this point okay just before seven o'clock he heads out the door with his crossbow and his mom, uh, Jean Paxton, who becomes a, a driving force in this story on her own. I love her. I think she's amazing. Was waiting for hun to co- her son to come back by mid-afternoon because that's when most people go out in the morning. The deer really aren't out in the middle yeah. of the day. And then I don't know if you're allowed to hunt them at night. I'm not up to. Oh, you're not? Yeah, maybe I not. Don't think- I, don't I think you're allowed to do dusk and dawn but you're not allowed to do it at night. Um, He didn't show up, and so she's like, oh, you know, I'll just wait for him. He probably got a deer, which is good for the first day of deer hunting season. And by 2.40, she's, like, finishing up her stuff. She's working around the house. She looks out the window and sees a sheriff's car pull up. Never a good sign. Also, I'm assuming there's not local police in this area, because if it's that rural, it's just going to be a a county sheriff. Okay, yeah. So a county sheriff, it's like, for a larger area not just like one small yeah yeah so it's uh because some of these towns in rural ohio and like rural areas Mm -hmm. there's not a large enough population to sustain a police force so yeah they all pay into the sheriffs and the sheriff the the sheriff's elected which i have feelings about but um But they have, like, that's their only police force, so they, they patrol the county, which yeah. uh, in Ohio can be various sizes. Um, some are bigger, some are smaller, and it's hard because then there's not a lot of police always. Yeah. So she runs out of the house and sees her husband, Mickey, clutching the post for support and pretty much is screaming, don't tell me that he- Jamie's dad, like, freaking out because she knew, like, there's no reason for a sheriff to pull up in your house, like, in your driveway. You're just like... Oh no, the worst has happened. Yeah. Jamie had been found by friends on a bushy hillside along Route 9, dead from apparent rifle wounds to his chest, right knees, and buttocks. So it's not an accident with that much shooting. Yeah, no. There's too many. Especially if it was a shotgun, maybe, but a rifle to three spots is kind of deliberate. Yeah, I don't know much about shooting, but I would say so. Yeah, because, like, if it, if it's an accident, like, oops, <laughs> if it's an accident, you would notice that you hit someone, mm-hmm. and it would, it would stop, like, you would do one shot, and then you notice you hit someone, and then you stop, and you run to them, like, what? But if you shoot three times, then that's 
yeah deliberate three times with that kind of gun too is especially deliberate because i don't again like i said i don't know a lot about a guns but i do know rifles you gotta pull the trigger a couple times that's a mm, oh yeah 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 and now i see what you mean like a shotgun yeah. the shells scatter because they're like yeah. buckshots but not a rifle so this horrifies the small community and in southern ohio like hunting accidents do happen you know it's not uncommon but like sheriff uh tom mccourt knew like what we knew that's not an accident yeah quote when we saw more than one wound we knew it could not be an accident plus it it was a bullet wound rather than an arrow and gun season wasn't in yet end quote so you can't even hunt deer with guns right now so it's just bow hunting so for him to be shot is really really strange and there's no clues behind they looked for cartridge cases tire tracks footprints anything nothing they also checked around the body looking for spent projectiles that like so basically bullet like bullets that had gone through but they really couldn't even find that okay so as they're interviewing everyone they interview is really confused by this they're like we don't know who would have shot him it doesn't make sense quote everyone in the area knew jamie paxton there was uh no one that we knew of or even to this day had ever disliked the young men end quote so the the sheriff's like we have no idea why he was shot there's no reason for it doesn't make sense so jean paxton the proud mama bear that she is she was like i want to know why my son was killed and like like what when where why all those things so she's using the only methods she has at her disposal and so, like, they're trying to grieve for their son, but it's hard because they don't really know why. Yeah. And Jean then begins a letter-writing campaign. So she would send letters to the killer via Martin's Ferry Times Leader newspaper. So she she wrote several, like, I think, like, every couple of weeks she would write him a letter and have it be posted in the newspaper so he would have to, like, see. So I have one for you. Quote to the murder, murder, and then there's parentheses, with an S, so because she doesn't know it could be two murders of uh, my son Jamie. Would it be easier for you if I wrote words of hate? I can't because I don't feel hate. I feel deep sorrow at losing my son. You took a light away from my life, November tenth, and left me with many days of darkness. Have you thought of your own death? Unless you confess your sin and ask for, for God's forgiveness, you will face the fire and fury of hell. When you are caught, I will be sorry for your family. They will have to carry the burden of your guilt all their lives, end quote. So she's like doing a little fire and brimstone, you know? Yeah. It is rural Ohio. And maybe for her, it's also like processing the whole thing, like writing that. Maybe it helps her Yeah. to like let it out as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think she's just hoping that like maybe he'll write back and explain why. Mm-hmm. The investigators had told her that the Ruth, like this killing was probably random and you he won't probably be moved by your but she keeps going and after several weeks the killer sent back an anonymous typed letter addressed to the times leader sheriff mccourt and the paxton and so he's providing undisclosed details of the murder scene and then he explains himself and i have the letter as well quote i am the murderer of jamie paxton jamie paxton was a complete stranger to me i never saw him before in my life and he never said a word to me that saturday Paxton was killed because of an irresistible compulsion that has taken over my life. I knew when I left my house that day that someone would die by my hand. I just didn't know who or where. 
Technically, I meet the definition of a serial killer, but I'm an average-looking person with a family, a job, and a home just like yourself. Something in my head causes me to turn into a merciless killer with no conscience. To the Paxton, you deserve to know the details. I was very drunk, and a voice inside my head said, do it. I stopped my car behind Jamie's and got out. Jamie started walking very slowly down the hill towards the road. He appeared to be looking past me at something in the distance. I raised my rifle to my shoulder and lined him up in the sights. It took at least five seconds to careful aim. My first shot was off a bit and hit him in the right chest. He groaned and went down. I wanted to make sure he was finished, so I fired a second shot, aimed halfway between his hip and shoulder. He was crawling on the ground. I jerked the shot and hit him in the knee. He raised his head and groaned again. My third shot also missed and hit him in the butt. He never moved again. Five minutes after I shot Paxton, I was drinking beer. A beer and had blocked out all thoughts of what I had just done in my mind. I thought no more of shooting Paxton than shooting a bottle at the dump. I know you would hate my guts, and rightfully so. I think about Jamie every hour of the day, as I'm sure you do. Don't feel bad about not solving this case. You could interview till doomsday with every everyone that Jamie Paxton ever met in his life, and you probably wouldn't have a clue to my identity. With no motive, no weapon, no and no witnesses, you could possibly not solve this crime, end quote. And it was signed, the murder of Jamie Paxton. So, yeah. Well, that's taunting. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. Um, at least they know what happened. And it, yeah. But, and like why he had such weird, like, you wouldn't think someone would shoot, like, the knee, the butt on top of the chest. Like, if you're going to kill someone, you'd normally go for a kill shot. But yeah, I guess maybe he wasn't a good shooter. Oh, we'll learn that he actually is a very good shot. Which is creepy. So, Belmont County Sheriff's now has its first lead, mainly because of Gene Paxton's letters and trying to figure out what happened. They had exposed a serial killer that authorities really had no idea existed. So, when he would strike again, they could begin to piece it all together. Which he does. About, what is it? The first one's 199. Yeah. So, two years later. Two years later. Yeah. So, Saturday, March 14th, 1992, 49-year-old... Claude Hawkins was going to go do some early morning fishing before after finishing up his uh, third shift at Pittsburgh Plate and Glass Company. So this uh, father of four really loved fishing. And I mean, people in Ohio do really love their fishing. And <laughs> my brother is... Is there a lot of lakes? A lot of lakes and rivers. So... Okay. People go... And I mean, they'll drive a while to go do it. Like, my he goes to his favorite spot... Uh, just below Wills Creek Dam in northwest Belmont, Ohio, in uh, Kashakanak County, and pretty much was found shot dead a little bit later with um, a shot to the back at close range. And interestingly, because it's federal land where he was fishing, the FBI gets called in. Okay, what well, doesn't mean that it's federal land. So if it's if it's just um the United States, like if it's federal property. That means a federal yeah. agency has to investigate it. So it's not like ca- oh. like the county, like it's not a, a county park or a state park. So it depends on whose land oh. it is. Okay, okay. So this is the FBI. So they call in the FBI. The closest office is Columbus. Okay, so Special Agent Harry Trimbus said of the scene, quote, You usually would find some type of shell casing in the area. I remember looking very hard. Metal detectors, hands and knees for any shell casings in that. None were ever found, and so something that you know if, in fact, we had someone who was 
evidence conscious enough to pick up shell casings after they shot and killed someone, we were dealing with a different brand of person here, end quote. So basically, he's saying this person is aware of what they're doing. They know they have to clean up evidence afterwards. They don't want to get caught. Yeah. The criminal mind situation. (laughs) The FBI looked at this and goes, yeah, this is probably not a solitary event. So the Hawkins murder, they're kind of I think they probably start to compare notes with other officers around the area. And on March 26, 1992, in New Philadelphia, just south of Canton, Ohio, for American football fans, that's where the Pro Football Hall of Fame is. Just fun fun facts. Yeah, fun facts. I've never been. I've been to Canton a lot, but I've never been there. Um, So they gathered officers from four counties, the Ohio Wildlife, Ohio Division of Wildlife, because they also have uh there's a state organization but they have jurisdiction on this lands and stuff and so they would run across stuff and the fbi to gather and compare notes so they basically have a giant meeting they're like hey we have this weird case do any of you guys have some weird cases like this yeah and then they do they find anything yes they discovered that the earliest possible homicide relating like occurrence like this occurred on April 1st, 1989. It was at about 9.30 a.m. in the back roads of Tuscarawas County. <laughs> about a hundred... That county always gets me every time I have to say it. It's such an odd name. Um, about 100 miles north of Belmont County, a 35-year-old truck driver, Donald Welling, had been out jogging near his home. Which, I mean, is kind of common. You can jog on these back roads. Like, you're going to hear anyone coming up on you. And someone put a 35 caliber, caliber rifle bullet through his heart from about 10 feet away. So, you know, close, but still, like, good shot. And at the time, they couldn't really find any motive or evidence to help them solve the murder. So the first one that people were like, that's a bit odd on these backcountry roads. Yeah. Then they bring up Jamie Paxton's murder, and they're like, yeah, this kind of makes sense to be fit into this. And they were like, okay, so it's about 19 months between the first Welling's murder and Paxton's murder. And really what they discover at that period is they looked at it and 18 days after Jamie's murder, on November 20th, 1990, there had been another murder like that. But in Duxbury, Massachusetts. So this person's traveling. Is that far away? Yeah, Massachusetts is on the coast. It takes probably about a day driving to get to... Well, Pennsylvania is about... To get to Philly from here, Cleveland is about seven hours. So yeah, it's probably going to be about 12 hours by car. 12, 13 hours by car. That's pretty far. Yeah, even for the Midwest. We count like six hours is a a nice weekend trip. (laughs) Yeah, I guess for you, for us, well, it's different because Finland is so small. So for me, it's sometimes difficult to like uh, really grasp the distances. Mm-hmm. So that's why I asked how far is that? Yeah, Cincinnati because... to Chicago is five hours. So okay, well that that's close. Yeah, it's reasonably close. Um, I mean, I don't know anyone. Like, if you're going to Massachusetts, most people fly. That's, mm-hmm. like, when I've gone to Massachusetts, I've always flown. Yeah. Because that's, that's pretty far. Yeah, it's just... That's, like, yeah. It's just not convenient to drive anymore. That's, like, going from Helsinki to Lapland, basically. So, driving all the way through Finland. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. <laughs> and on top of it, you have to go through Pennsylvania, which is all tolls. Like, it's a lot of tolls. <laughs> so, you have to pay... Oh, okay, yeah. 
Uh, so then the pen, uh, they found another case where Kevin Loring, who's a 30-year-old refrigerator technician, had been murdered by a single gunshot to the face. He had been deer hunting in and around a mining strip in Muskegon County, so that's west of Belmont and south of Kakashan County. I don't think I'm saying that one right. I've never heard of that county. Um, I've lived in Ohio most of my life, and I've never heard of that county. Uh, so we have 30-year-old refrigerator technician Kevin Loring, who had been murdered by a single gunshot wound to the face. He had been deer hunting around a strip mining area in Muskegon County. So that's west of Belmont County and south of Kashakashan County. Really sure I'm not. Was that the difficult one? Yeah, I guess that was the difficult, difficult one. That's the difficult county to say. They're all Native American names. And normally I'm okay with them because I've heard them said. But I haven't. I've never heard that one said. Um, so originally they determined this was a deer hunting accident because it's one shot. You know, they figure someone probably didn't like saw him moving and thought it was a deer and shot him. Uh, yeah. But because they've had all like. They probably had officers from there, so they probably were thinking through all these weird gunshot wounds that they'd had, like murders that they had had, and they were like, huh. So they were looking at it. I'm assuming, you know, they have one of those boards of, like, the county, all their counties, and they're putting little pins in it, and they're looking at it, and they go, oh, no, no, because they realized the killer was roaming the back roads of southern Ohio, which, like, like I said, was, I mean, some of these back roads, it's all farms it's or wooded areas, so... You don't always see people when you're driving down them. I've definitely driven so- down some of them, and I go, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. It's the children of the corn situation. I'm not a fan. Yeah, that's creepy. It, yes. it's It just gets creepy because, like, you'll have spots where it's, like, really wooded, and then you have fields for miles, and there's, like, one yeah. house. There's no other cars on the road as far as you can see. And you're like, so if I break down, it's bad. I've been on the phone. You're in trouble. I've been on the phone with my dad trying to go somewhere and he's trying to talk. And I go, I can't talk because I need Google. Because if I break down here, I don't know where I am. And I feel like I'm just going to be pulled off into corn slash soybean like field. And that's not what I want. It'll probably be forced to join a religious cult or something. I don't know. It would not be good. Um... So then 10 days after this meeting, so April 5th, they find another outdoorsman dead. This is uh, Gary Bradley. He's 44 years old, a steel worker, and he's from Williamstown, West Virginia. So that's like he's driving up and he had been shot in the back while fishing in Noble County. So that's like right next to Belmont County. So it's pretty extensive in this area and the the task force probably sees it and they go yeah so he's like they look at that and they're like okay we've got another one so that may a secret five county federal and local investigation task force was established i'm assuming they had you know like superpower rings or something to let them know they were all in the task force or something i don't know superpower <laughs> <laughs> you know like like power rangers i think they had the rings and so they would let oh uh, yeah they would let them know i guess so they would meet at the fbi field office in columbus where uh they would each present the details of their case so i guess it is kind of like criminal minds in a sense where they meet with the people um they called themselves the hannibal lecter squad wow <laughs> i laughed when i saw it uh because and then they had the a group of three personnel 
personality profilers from the behavioral science unit in Quantico form a profile of the killer. They figured he was a white male, over 30, a gun enthusiast, an avid hunter, and owned at least several weapons. And I'm just like, rural Ohio. <laughs> throw, throw a dart. You don't even, you know, you could just scatter some bird seed and hit like six. <laughs> yeah, that's like anyone. That's like anyone over there. Yeah. Oh my god. Probably. Like, I could have probably done that for my high school and hit, I mean, granted I was in high school, but like hit several that could fit that definition minus the over 30s. They figured he would have an above average intelligence, but would be introverted without many friends um, and would resolve personal problems in a cowardly fashion. He might have a drinking problem or engage in obscene phone calls, arson, fire, vandalism by shooting out windows or tires of vehicles. You know, stand up guy. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> They also figured he would take sadistic delight in mutilating and um, murdering animals of all sorts. And they figured he would be triggered by stressful events, most likely would trigger these episodes. And he probably would commit them while drunk. They thought he would, quote, live within easy driving distance of the slayings, end quote. So I'm guessing there's some semi-circles hap- like circles happening around each of the crimes to figure out where he could live. So Dr. Emmanuel Tanny, a professor of psychiatry at Wayne University in Detroit, figured out he pr- will determine he probably did it for his personal satisfaction and pleasure. Okay, but he already said like that's why. Yeah, I just love this reasoning. He co- the doctor comes up with quote: "If it's pleasurable to kill dogs and cats at random, the much better prey is humans. They're a bigger, a bigger trophy. People enjoy killing. Let's face it, that's why they do it." End quote. So it's basically they he she's like he's playing the most dangerous game. He's hunting the most dangerous game, which is man, which is crazy. So the task force had investigated and ruled out at least a hundred possible suspects by midsummer. And I'm like, dang, they would be busy. Well, that is some effective police work. I'm thinking that they have five counties on this at least, plus the FBI. Probably, I'm a, I'm gonna guess they got the state involved too just because it's so many counties so yeah that's a lot of resources and it could help you go through candidates a lot faster that's true that's true so on july 30th 1992 that would be jamie's 23rd birthday gene paxton our mvp sends another letter to the paper basically saying like i can't celebrate with my son like he's gonna miss out on his favorite cake and all these things basically a guilt trip letter which anybody who's ever had a mother knows they're excellent at that so is there any reaction to it no that's anything no no reaction no but i think like you know he's looking for him he probably is like by august investigators really determined that the killer was not going to risk sending another letter to expose himself because Mm. he, he probably figured that He's starting to like. He hinted that he was a serial killer, so um, they're not gonna. He's not gonna show himself. Be like, hey, I'm that guy. Well, of course not. So they release. They talk to the media and they go. We suspect there's a serial killer hunting outdoorsmen in loose custard clusters in eastern Ohio counties. So the plane dealer ran, which is up in Cleveland, ran August twenty second. Slayings, uh, linked in rural Ohio. So it's. I mean, it's statewide. It's probably kind of going a little bit national-wide. They determined that five sportsmen had been killed. 
and the investigators were suspecting a single sniper a single serial sniper in their deaths that's an alliteration and they also included a copy of the fbi profile so we're like let's give them let's like let's give them enough that if someone like reads this and goes hmm this rings a bell which it does it does it does yeah it actually works for once (laughs) i know so tuscarawas county sheriff detective sergeant walter wilson gets a call on august 29th 1992 from richard fry he read the report in the newspaper and fry really wanted to meet with the detectives he had read up all about the task force the killings and he goes i think i have a possible suspect for you he was pretty like fry is pretty nervous about coming to the station probably because he didn't want to be seen there so detective wilson agreed to meet him at a private location in town later that day which i mean is kind of smart if you're gonna go rat on someone probably don't go to the police station yeah maybe not Uh, that's not a great idea so fry explains that the profile really sounded like a high school buddy of his tom Dillon, who's an employee of the canton water department okay so he goes back he goes yeah in the 1970s we drove around eastern ohio drinking beer shooting road signs and like basically committing small acts of arson you know as you do as boys do i mean when i was like in high school i definitely went around drinking beer shooting road signs and committing minor acts of arson i I did not i'm gonna put that forward in case my mother ever listens to this i did not yeah i was a nerd i don't know who does that i was a nerd they did but i mean I mean, I guess if you had nothing better to do, then I could like, I could see probably people shooting road signs and drinking beer. We really didn't. But the arson part. Yeah, no, we didn't really do arson. We just had bonfires, which is more fun because then you get marshmallows. You know, it's more fun. And also, like, normally no one called the cops on you unless your fire was too big. And at that point, because it was pretty rural, like, you knew your fire was too big. You probably were trying to get it down. Or your neighbors are just really nosy. So Fry recounts his conversation to David Knox and two other Akron Beacon Journal reporters. So he he, later on, he talks to the press when this is going on. He doesn't quote back in the year we graduated. We were having a problem with some kids at high school. One of these standoffs. You throw a punch at my car. I throw something at your car. No, but nobody ever throws a punch. One night, one of the guys kicked his car. Tom pulls out a gun and took a shot at the guy. I asked him this. Did you really mean to hit him? And he said, yes, I meant to hit him. I used to go out hunting with him because we were gun enthusiasts. In the beginning, it was pretty all pretty legit, legitimate. But then we started hitting these dumps in southern Stark County. We start. We'd go down there and hunt rats and things, end quote. So you can kind of see in high school, he's already escalating pretty, pretty high. Um, then, like, they ran into some diseased dogs and Tom killed them. He's like, and he really got enjoyment out of it. Okay, that's, um, that's scary. It gets worse. Uh, <laughs> then he just started shooting anyone's dogs along the road, which Fry was telling. What? Yeah, so if, and like some of these places, like, people don't have their dogs on leashes the dogs kind of know like they'll stay on your property unless there's some reason for them like a deer or something they're chasing something so they probably like wandering around the yard and he would shoot them and fry was like hey those are people's pets those aren't like diseased dogs yeah. like what are you doing um they also would as they were driving the back roads would talk about serial killers and dylan was really fascinated by bundy and i'm just like yeah 
That's interesting. Yeah, if all of that combined is not a warning sign, like a big one, then I don't know what is. It's a giant mountain of nope. It's like slowly, like you start, we started off in high school, he was like at a foothill level, and now he's at the, like, we're getting close to an Everest of nope, just like yeah. of red flags and nopes everywhere. You're just like, uh-uh. So Fry actually describes how uh, Tom became more sadistic. Quote, once while driving back from Atwood Lake in Carroll County, Tom pulled off the, to the side of the road and pulled out his gun and started shooting at this farmer. Apparently, the farmer was a good way off, two, three hundred yards. One of the others in the cars protested, what the hell are you doing? And Dylan explained that he couldn't hit a target at that distance with a pistol, pistol so I'm just plinking at him, end quote. So he's just shooting at a person. For fun. To scare him. Why would you do that? Yeah. Like, what? I don't get it. So, after that, Fry really just was like, um, I just kind of cut contact. I, if I saw him around town, I wouldn't wave. I wouldn't talk to him. And he ran. Good call. Yeah, I know. He's probably like, uh, nope. Nope <laughs> out of this situation. It's a bunch of red flags. But at that point, like, most people didn't report stuff like that. Because you think, oh, they're just the, they're just little off the rock or just kind of lay them be yeah because it's in the late 80s so you have these serial killers coming out but like most people probably think oh it's just a rare thing it's not a common like it never could happen here whereas now with all the true crime people are like yeah probably could happen here so fry next meet dylan in 1986 in new newcomer's town in southern tuscarawas county they kind of catch up and he's like oh what are you doing and dylan says oh just drive around this and that and I just love this quote from Fry. Quote, when I saw him in Newcomer's Town, I thought he's moving farther south because he's still up to his old ways. End quote. So he's like, he knew. He's like, this guy is still up to his crazy shit. And like, yeah. Oh, so Dylan was a member of the Ohio Gun Collectors Association and their gun show had moved up to Cleveland. Fry wasn't a member, but Tom invites him to be a guest. He, he told Fry, oh, I'd stop killing all these animals so fry's response is i guess we can be friends again you're stop mercilessly killing animals this is cool now i would still stay away from (laughs) yeah as fry recounts quote i remember one time he and i were driving and he said do you realize you can go out into the country and find someone somebody and there are no witnesses you can shoot them there's no motive do you realize how easy murder would be to get away with it and i said yeah but why would you do it end quote so he's basically admitted to his friend, hey, you know how the best place to go commit murder? Wow. Uh, so they they were driving up to the gun show, which, I mean, is maybe an hour and a half. You're like, I'm going to go from Canton. It's probably 45 minutes to an hour, maybe an hour and a half, depending on traffic. And they were talking about Ted Bundy and like, you know, how, how you can get away with it, you know, as you do. Yeah, so he basically confesses more or less. Oh, yep. Tom said... Quote, don't you think I've ever killed somebody? And, end quote, which uh, really threw off Fry, who's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you've killed anyone. Which Tom replies, oh, you don't really know me that well. And pretty much Fry was like, um, yeah, I've never seen him like that before. And also, has anyone ever been shot? Like, he remembers how he told him, like, you know, just go off in the, like, country roads and kill someone. Uh, where is Dylan? He lives with his family in Mangol... Mangol- Mongolia, which I mean, could knowing Ohio could be pronounced a different way, but I'm going with it. The Midwest, we love butchering European names, <laughs> which is about 75 miles from where Jamie Paxton was murdered. Okay, and so you know the detective's like, okay, let me 
Let me gather up all that we can on Dylan. Um, yep. We got the animal killings check. We got the vandalism check. And September 20th, 1992, a witness had actually seen a red pickup truck, really similar to what Dylan was driving at the time, at the spot where a dog had been killed in Tuscarawas County. They found a 25 caliber slug in the animal. And Fry was like, oh, yeah, he totally owns a 25 caliber rifle. And uh, Detective Wilson was like, hey, do me a favor. Buy it. Um, so Fry did. Bought it from Dylan. And they matched the ballistics. <sighs> Which everyone who doesn't see, I just did like the slide the money across the tables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, sneakily. Just, you mind? We'll fill out an expense report for that. Um... <laughs> So then Detective Wilson runs a check on Dylan's background history on firearm purchases and all that. And they go, okay, he bought a bunch of weapons from a licensed federal firearm dealer. Legal. And... Okay, legal. Yeah. So they get the dealer's records and they show that he had bought 18 weapons in the last few years. That's a lot of guns. I'm sorry. That's a lot. Like, I know Americans like guns, but... um. 18 is a bit much. Like, at that point, it's it, like, okay, I get some are for different uses, but you don't have 18 uses for guns. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, even for hunting, like, you wouldn't have that many different ones that you need. I could see maybe you have, like, three different, like, rifles or something because you yeah. like them for different types of hunting, but... But three is a lot less than 18. Yeah. Also, in the last few years, like, that's not... That's just a couple years. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too. It's like the... What the meme where it's like, like, you know, four... Four can be a lot or... Could, like, four, not a lot of dollars, but a lot of body. Like, a lot of people to murder. Like, it's one of those things. Like, 18 is not a lot of dollars, but that's a lot of guns. And they also... So, of the 18 guns, there were two Mossers, uh, which was the kind of gun used to kill four of the five outdoorsmen. So, they're like, the type of gun's there. Okay. They dig deeper into his past, starting with employment records. Because, you know, you gotta see if... Can he keep down a job? Because we know serial killers, they ain't the best at that. Unless they're truck drivers, then they're excellent at that. So, there's a couple actions for absenteeness in the 1970s, but his 22-year work record was pretty good, but his criminal record was very, very interesting. Oh. Yeah. In 1969, while a student at Ohio State... I'm sorry... The Ohio State University. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a dumb thing. Uh, Dylan had been investigated for possessing a Russian mortar military weapon. Why? Why do you need this? Especially in Columbus. Oh, I don't. I don't understand. Columbus isn't that dangerous. Also, where do you, like? I don't understand. So they didn't press charges because they're like, it's more of a collector's item than a weapon. Well, maybe make sure it's not still functional then. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can sense you're just like, oh gosh, <laughs> Americans. Um, like, who says that? It's more of a collector's item than a gun? Like, who? Okay, I know there are people who collect guns, but like, maybe I just don't understand it. I could understand. Like, I get that people brought a lot of stuff back from like, world war Two, so maybe got like someone yeah. got there but you should have to disable like certain things you should have to disable like you have in order to keep this it cannot be functional mm. which it does i don't know maybe they checked that but it wasn't in the articles i read so then they get to a uh, incident in 1991 
where Tom had been cited by a game warden for illegal target target practice near a state hunting area in southern Stark County. Hmm. Target practice near, you know, near a hunting area. So they know, like, I forget, there's, like, rules, like, you can't shoot in, like, directions of the home, like, you have to be so far from so many houses, residential dwellings, you can't shoot towards the street. There's a lot of rules about that, so shooting towards, like, that is actually really, really dangerous, because a stray bullet could hit someone. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So... The warden searches his pickup and finds a twenty-two caliber pistol with a silencer, which uh, I don't think you're allowed to have in the state of Ohio. So, oh, you're not. Uh, silencers are like one of those things that they don't really like the public to have because you know, yeah. silent shooting, not great. Dylan pleads guilty to possessing illegal an illegal silencer, and he gets released on a bond that says you cannot possess any firearms. We are know he has so many guns yeah that's not going nowhere so he was still awaiting final sentencing and at this time so the police force is digging up more on him as he's awaiting final uh, sentencing and they're like okay yeah this definitely is hella suspicious like like the magnif they don't need that big magnifying glass they have the tiny magnifying glass looking at him just like yep this dude seems pretty good for this so they begin tailing him from the air and the ground and i was just like i kind of love that they're like we're gonna be up in the sky trailing him <laughs> i just want to know was it by plane or by helicopter like with a drone well this is in the 90s so i don't think we had oh yeah like now yeah True. they would drone that shit up the wazoo so because it's mid-october 1992 so i'm getting us either plane or a helicopter yeah so i'm so clueless i wasn't even born then i was just i I wasn't i was pretty fresh um (laughs) (laughs) a fresh courtney so tiny yeah um (laughs) that's what you say about babies right they're pretty fresh I don't know. Yeah. I never heard that before. I, I like to refer to, I mean, they're pretty fresh out of the person. So, yes, they're pretty, they're pretty fresh. Everyone's like, they're a newborn. They're, they're pretty fresh, like a, like a loaf of bread. Um, so, in, his, in this surveillance, he had weekend jaunts of between 75 to 125 miles over the counties um, in Belmont, Harrison, Tuscarawas, Holmes, Kashan and Carroll County. So that's that's a lot. I'm sorry. Like even for the Midwest, that's a bit much. Especially if you're not going somewhere. Like most people like they drive that, go to a park, go camping, but like just jaunts. Mm. Nah. So they noticed he would I just love they they would get his schedule and he would stop for beer and sometimes begin drinking it early as 7:15 in the morning. Why? That's early. That's early for a beer, and I'm gonna guess it probably was. It probably was like Bud Light, maybe a Natty Light. So not great beer. Yeah, and here you can't even buy beer that early, like at the store. So November eighth, the investigators witnessed Dylan's vandalism firsthand. They saw him shooting at electric electric meters, oil well pumps, stop sign. He shot out a car with a for sale sign on it including throwing a giant rock through the windshield they then lose okay i know he's just like chaos for chaos sake at this point they lost him on his way home from belmont county on november 11th 
But later that day, they figured out where he was because a bunch of cows had been killed with a crossbow in Tuscarawas County. So you're just like, yeah, just for like, cows are expensive and shooting them for just fun. I mean, authorities knew he sometimes used a crossbow because Fry had mentioned he had obtained several of Dylan's arrows and they were the same type of model. So Fry is really kind of their inside man on this, helping them out. Yeah. And the, the... Arrows actually did match the ones recovered from the dead cows because you, I guess you buy a bunch of them so you don't have to really like be like if you lose them or something like that. Most people, I th- yeah, I have no idea. How that works. <laughs> I'm guessing like you would still go get them, but like say like you'd probably buy a certain amount, and then if you lost them, it would be okay, and so you'd have them from a certain batch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They then follow him to a gun show in New Philadelphia in November 21st, where they noticed he bought a 22 caliber rifle. Remember, he's not supposed to have guns. Like, he's still in that period. He's out on bond. So they they were thinking about, they're like, okay, we have enough to arrest him for that, but there's still nothing to link him to killing the outdoorsman. And they're like, okay, if we wait to arrest him, are we giving him chance to kill someone else? Like, you know, it's that, um, was it Occam's razor kind of thing? Like, where it's like, if we don't do this, we might get more evidence, but the more evidence might be a dead person. If we yeah. do do this, do we have enough evidence? And on top of it, deer season was coming up, which is November 30th. And in, there were more than 300,000 hunters that would go into the woods all over the state. So that's a lot of targets. So that's risky. Yeah. Like I said, it's so what it's a it's yeah. a big thing to do in Ohio is go kill deer. <laughs> we hate them so much. What did they decide then? They were like, Yeah, no, we're not risking three hundred thousand people's lives with this. So they arrested him outside of Tuscarora's County convenience store on November twenty seventh and hoping that if they searched his home it would get more evidence. Unfortunately, They searched his house, his pickup truck, his camper, his office, and safety deposit, getting nothing. At the bond hearing five days later, the prosecutors were like, hey, he's this prime suspect for five killings on top of this. What they didn't expect was, with all the publicity, the task force got a lot of breaks that they needed. On December 4th, a Stark County man came forward and was like, hey, I had bought this 6.5 by 55 millimeter Swedish Mauser rifle from Dylan at the Massillon gun show on April 6th. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not good at guns. That's why I was like looking at that weird. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> so luckily for them, the guy yeah. was like, hey, here's the gun and the receipts. Always keep your receipts, guys. Uh, they did ballistic tests and they're like, hey, this matches the bullets recovered from Gary Bradley and Claude Hawkins. Okay, we linked him to two. Got this. So on January 22nd, 1993, a Noble County journey, grand jury indicted Dylan on two counts of aggravated murder with the death penalty specific specifications, and his bond was set at a million dollars. Because Ohio is a death penalty state, so they're like, no, this is pretty ruthless, pretty senseless. This, this qualifies for the death penalty. So the Noble County prosecutor, Lucian Young, was really trying to seek indictments for all five slayings and he knew he had two so he was like okay i'm go i'm going to go with the two there's all this publicity i have the momentum and we can you can always charge people later that's what pe- like when people get mad it's like the thing is you can always add on counts later you can always get more evidence yeah so that's true dylan is placed on homicide watch after the officials at the stark county jail found two strips of blankets in his cell and they were like it looked like he was fashioning a noose 
And he's like, oh no, it's just so I could cover my eyes while I sleep. So like suicide watch? Yeah, so basically they think he's going to kill himself and, you know, his excuses. It's too bright in here. I needed them to cover my eyes. Yeah, that doesn't cut it. No. Real, like, closely after that, he was talking to a mental health counselor at the jail and he said, quote, he would strangle il- inmates if he had the chance and he wouldn't shed a tear, end quote. Great. Let's learn more about Thomas Lee Dillon. So he's born in Canton, Ohio, July 9th, 1950. He lost his father to Hodgkin's disease when he was 15 months old and, you know, Through interviews, they determined that he viewed his mother as a cold woman who really never praised or punished him. She was kind of just indifferent. And uh, the psychologist said, quote, Dylan has no memories of his mother ever hugging him, kissing him, or telling him that she loved him, end quote. Again, other people have had this situation and don't murder people. Don't murder people. Yeah, please don't. So his classmates from Glenwood High School in Plain Township talked about him. They're like, yeah, he's really smart, but kind of a loner. They noticed in his uh, 1968 senior yearbook that he did no extracurriculars, so he really didn't do anything besides go to school. Uh, Ronald Skelton said, quote, Tom was removed from the group. He was a person who marched to the beat of a different drummer, separate, separated from the main street, end quote. They talked about how he loved to hunt, he liked to kill, enjoyed watching animals suffer. Um, they noticed as a teenager, he began keeping count of animals he killed in a calendar in his bedroom, Canton. On top of that, if you want to know he got skeevier, uh, he kept a separate calendar listing all the girls he had sex with. Um, that's creepy. That, yeah. So originally after high school, he goes to Kent State uh start campus and then transfers to ohio state which is kind of common people will go to branch campuses and then transfer in later because it's easier to transfer than get in sometimes okay uh so someone recounting dylan said quote in the summer months we would all hang out at willow Springs swimming pool on 55th street i just ran around with him for a couple years we all drank together i never saw him shoot a gun but i heard other people talking about him ah crazy dylan went out drinking and he was shooting a pistol at the window or he shot out the windows of a school i heard things like that a couple times end quote so like there were rumors that he was this like weird dude yeah he graduates from ohio state in 1972 and works as a draftsman in the canton water department in 1978 he married Catherine elas a nurse from alliance ohio so he got married too like Oh, he was married? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I thought he was just like a loner. Nope. He got married. Apparently not. You know, serial killers, they end up married and you're just like, really? I guess it's better to be single than marrying a serial killer, but she didn't know. Mm, Definitely. Yeah. So in the early 1980s, Dylan began boasting to his friends that the count on his uh, death calendar, which is kind of metal to have a death calendar had reached 500. That's a lot. For most things, that's a lot. On top of... Is it like animals and human? Is it like... Who's to say? You don't know. It didn't say. It didn't say. It didn't say. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was early 80s, and we know the first actual reference we have of him killing someone is in the late 80s, so I'm gonna hope it's all animals. Mm. Unfortunately, like... The- Even that's bad, but, like, still... Yeah, I know. It's, like, it's bad when you're thinking, like, at least it's only animals? Uh, yeah, still not good. Nope. He also attended... The Ohio Peace Officers Training in Lawrence Township in Stark County, where he graduated with expert 
marksmanship. So like I said, he's a very good shot. He's been honing this his whole life. We also have um, Dylan's neighbors complaining to the police because he was killing their dogs. And that happened in the mid 80s. You know. Yeah, that thing. No, that's not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Let's move on (laughs) from the dogs. Yeah. So a man who had hunted with Dylan for several years said, quote, Dylan was a bad hunter. He would shoot at farmers' cats after getting permission to hunt on their land, which is common. You're like, you have to get permission if you're going to do that. He just didn't care. He once boasted of killing a deer caught in high water while swimming across a river. He brought the deer home without field dressing it. He gutted the carcass in his yard and made a mess of it. He didn't seem to understand the concept of friendship. He never offered to do a favor or asked for one. It was always a trade. If you do this, I'll do this if you do that. He never talked about women. He never mentioned his wife and love in the same sentence. He was always changing guns and carried weapons, even when he rode a bike, end quote. So he field dressing is basically like you start prepackaging the deer, like breaking down the deer in the woods. So by the Mm. time you get home, it's not as messy and bad and like you can like new stuff there um if you don't if you don't do it well it's really messy and like you it's basically just you've senselessly killed an animal which it seems like he did and he doesn't seem like he knows about friendship at all or like interpersonal relationships so yeah yeah it seems that way he's yeah but still he managed to marry someone so yeah i would just be so intrigued to like have an interview with his wife so his family members were shocked by his arrest his mother-in-law elaine elas a retired high school school teacher and guidance counselor she was like no i don't believe he's capable of murder quote dylan is a witty kind man who has always had a yen for guns end quote so she really didn't believe the allegations against him but kind of was like if it's true it's true and she talked about her daughter was really just praying to God and kind of like, I think, how do you deal when you find out you've been married to someone? Because at that point, she they got married. Uh, they got married in 78. So by the time he's caught in the early 90s, they've been married over a decade. And so you're just like, how do you reconcile the fact that you've been dating someone? You've been living with someone. You're married to someone who's been doing these things. Yeah, it's like you realize they completely different than what you thought Mm -hmm. so february 9th 1993 there was a hundred spectators outside the noble county court courthouse as they brought dylan in with uh, handcuffs and shackles the proceedings were short he pleaded not guilty to the murders of gary bradley and claude hawkins they then charged a third murder against dylan may 22nd it was uh the death of jamie paxton and just four days after being charged with paxton's murder he gets sentenced to three years and 10 months in prison the maximum for the gun charge so they got him on the gun charge so they can at least you know kind of take time to build up these capital murders Mm. so he did a dumb thing i think a little bit and uh dumb or smart depends how you feel it he called from the jail to a wtov television reporter on july 3rd and confess to the murders. Okay. Why? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, who knows? Um, he had also placed a call to an Akron Beacon Journal reporter saying, quote, I have major problems. I'm crazy. I want to kill. I want to kill. End quote. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he wanted to be on the news. I mean, I think he was pretty much on the news a lot. He killed five people. Yeah, but he, like, wanted to, like, how do you say? He wanted to, like 
profit off of that. Like he wanted to make it even bigger and oh, even more. He wanted to be the center of it, not the victim. Yeah. yeah. So the next day, his attorneys had put together a plea bargain where they're like, okay, he'll confess to all three murders as long as he doesn't receive the death penalty and you won't bring any further charges against him. Which, I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of fair in the scheme of things. It sucks for the other two families, but... So they have the penalty there? Oh, yeah. Ohio has the death penalty. It's state by state. Okay. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. On July 2nd, he entered a plea, his pleas before Judge John Now in Noble County. He, like, every time they brought up the charges, he would just say guilty with no motion. Now sentenced Dylan to life in prison with no chance of parole for 165 years. The maximum sentence. So they then interviewed uh, Jean Paxton, and she was so relieved that the case was over. So they're like, oh, good. We- yeah, some closure. Mm-hmm. After so, like, it's only been a couple years, but, like, like he was, ki- like, they were killed in such a random, senseless way that there was no chance unless someone had come forward for them solving this. The- yeah, and of course, you're going to wonder about it. Mm-hmm. Like, the why is the most important, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, it's. Like, why did this happen? And they know now that it was just random chance he saw him. Yeah. So. Yeah. The prosecutor for Noble County said the plea agreement was actually the most practical solution, even though he preferred the death sentence. So he really wanted to get it. Like, he was like, no, we want to we want to make sure that he cannot do this. On top of that, in July 1993, get ready for this. Okay. I will prepare myself. <laughs> Dylan admitted to setting 160 fires, committing other acts of vandalism in eastern Ohio in the preceding five years. They figured out his fires had caused more than $2 million in damages. He set them in Coshocacon County, Belmont, Guernsey, Carroll, Columbiana, and Tuscarawas counties. So that's six counties. He set fires in six counties. Um, he really, after that, so he like admitted to additional stuff. And then he's like, okay, talking to the authorities, like, please don't send me to Ohio's, like, the toughest uh, facility, which is Lucasville. He's like, please don't send me there. It's like the maximum security. And he said, quote, if I go to Lucasville, I'm a dead man, end quote. Well, our MVP, Gene Paxton, goes, oh, you don't want to go there, do you? Let me get this petition going on. She collected 8,000 names. And they got him sent to Lucasville, where he still is. Really? He is still alive. He's still alive? Yeah. And he's there yep. serving his sentence? Uh-huh. He's serving his 165 years. How old years. is he now? Uh, can I look that up? Oh, wait. It's telling me he died. Oh, no. He died in, I guess it wasn't up there. He died October 21st. 2011 in Columbus after being ill for three weeks due to an unspecified illness. So okay, he died after that point, but he was um pretty much at the at Lucasville for the most of the time. So mm. so that is serial killer Thomas Lee Dillon. Well, that was something. <laughs> yeah, I had not heard. I had not heard about that before. I hadn't either. I think he was on my list. I probably ran across him doing research for something and added him to my list and yeah. it's just it's crazy because i had never heard of him and you think with so many people who are hunters and all this this would be a more common case in ohio discuss but it's not it's crazy yeah that is but that was interesting oh yeah i, I was it's just fascinating how they caught him too do you want to tell everyone where they could find you okay so um you can find me on 
basically any uh, podcast platform. And then I'm also on social media. I have a Facebook group. It's a closed one, but you can request to join. And then I'm on Twitter uh, and Instagram at TC underscore Finland. So that's how you can find me there. Yeah, check her out. It's awesome. So we'll be back. Check me out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with Mina's story. It's gonna be interesting, so come back. Bye! Please come back. Bye! <laughs> Hi, this is Minna from True Crime Finland. Ah, Finland. So peaceful and quiet. There isn't even any crime there, right? Wrong. Join me every two weeks in discovering the dark side of the land of a thousand lakes. From legendary and infamous to the lesser known and forgotten Finnish cases, the podcast will be sure to offer something for everyone. Find True Crime Finland wherever you get your podcasts. California has the largest population in the United States and the site of some of the most famous true crime cases in history. But there's more than meets the eye to the crime in California. Join Sean, Jessica, and Charles on the California True Crime Podcast as they cover crime both infamous and overlooked from around our state while looking at the deeper history that goes beyond beaches and movie stars. of domesticity we're available on all podcatchers remember to rate review subscribe to help spread the word or just force other people to listen to it our facebook and twitter are at domestic podcasts and our instagram is at the cult of domesticity we also have podcast merch at threadless uh as well if you want to support us financially or show some appreciation we have a paypal tip jar and a patreon which has some pretty great perks any topic suggestions feel free to email us at domesticpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com remember to stay domestic and cult free